Hey everybody, this episode of Talkin' Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to check out poddex.com. Make sure you use that special promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or Game Fighter podcast. Simply shuffle up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. Once again, that is poddex.com. And make sure to use the promo code TALKPOP, that's T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. This episode is powered by Poddex. What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. It's time once again for another edition of Talking Pop. It's the podcast and all things pop culture. I'm your host of Franchise, and joining us a little bit is Biko. He'll be joining us soon. Right now, he's preparing himself a meal. <laughs> um, he'll be joining us a little bit. Um, I do want to let you know that not only are we sponsored by Anchor, I don't know if you saw, we're also sponsored by Poddex. Make sure you check them out. I know they're developing a new app right now, but right now, if you listen to the pre-roll ad, Right now, you can still get advantage of that deal is if you use our promo code TALKPOP, this is yourself 10% off your order. Also, check out the Poddex app as well. It's a good way if you're starting your podcast or have a current one like us, you know, just get started. Um, you also can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash franchise 685. I am the casual gamer, and I usually do a lot of like JRPGs or story-based games whatsoever. So... Without further ado, before we get to the main topic that I did mention last week, um, I do want to point out some stuff I actually found interesting in the news today when it comes to like pop culture stuff, especially if you're a fan of Rick and Morty. Before I get to Rick and Morty, I did want to mention something I watched last night. I actually checked out um, the second season of uh, Solar Opposites, which is like on Hulu, which is actually done by Justin Royman and Mike Mahan. They're from Rick and Morty. They're, they work on Rick and Morty, so 20th Century Studios. Helps with the animation, and it's a collaboration with Hulu. 
it's basically, you know, just when it works on the show, it's him, Thomas Middletich, Sean Giambone, I forgot who does the voice of the, of the girl alien, Jesse. Um, basically, they're just a bunch of aliens who pretty much their planet gets destroyed by asteroids and they have to go to this, they have to go uh, occupy unpopulated worlds and pretty much terraform and everything. They give them a pupa and they're going to raise this pupa to pretty much, they're pretty much the main source of terraforming and starting a new civilization. And pretty much they end up getting stuck on Earth. So the first season's out now, and then last Friday the second season just dropped, and I watched it all the episodes last night. Pretty much binged it, and <laughs> it was more hilarious. I like the fact that it kept like throwing a lot of meta humor at Hulu. I'm guessing Hulu's letting them do as much as they can, and you know it's a really good show. Like it has that art style of Rick and Morty, so it's the Rick and Morty art style. But you know you have Justin Roiling in there showing his commitment to the show as well, just to branch like they have like the little like juices going like. You know, Dan Harmon and him are not connected by the hip, so I think Dan Harmon has a project as well that's coming out for Fox, which is supposed to be like a take on like um, Greek mythology soon. But this is like a project with Justin Roy and Michael, and it's a really good, a really good show. I mean, it's, um, like I said, they're aliens just trying to deal with the humans. Like, they hate the humans so much, and at the same time, like, they're doing like all kinds of crazy shit. Um, definitely check them out. Um, I will say it's not for minors because they do say the F word a lot. <laughs> So it is language. Parent advisory is, you know, parental advisory is advised. You know, it's up to you guys because they do say f a lot. <laughs> so, but it is a funny show if you enjoy Rick and Morty. And so now, um, speaking of Rick and Morty, I just um this I checked out comicbook.com and pretty much um they announced that Rick and Morty's fifth season will premiere on June twentieth of this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I did not see the trailer yet, but it looks like um. They just released, like, the first teaser of it, and they're pretty much, you know, that's Rick and Morty, so they kind of parody a lot of things, and, you know, I think that, I just saw an article, and I was saying, I guess they're parodying Voltron or something, because they were kind of wearing, like, outfits similar to Voltron, so I guess they're doing, like, a Voltron parody, because remember that joke in the last episode when Morty, like, last season when Morty had that confidence, and then the drones and stuff, and then, I'm like, and Morty's like, oh, you can have the drones, and Rick's like, no, more you cannot have the drones in form of mini Voltron. <laughs> so, I guess they're doing like a little period of that. They should, like I said, if you go on adultswim.com or on YouTube, they just um released like an Adult Swim recently on their YouTube channel. The first uh, tra- official trailer for season five. And like I said, they pretty much, they're not holding back when it comes to parroting a lot of like products. So, a lot of gags looks like. And it says here June 20th, so... Like I said, I haven't seen the trailer yet. I just seen like news about it, and like I said, it just got released today. So definitely check out the trailer if you're a big Rick and Morty fan. Uh, so I enjoyed the show a lot. You know, Dan Harmon just wanted to do a good job. You know, with the jokes and everything, bringing their comedic juices together. So I try to keep myself hydrated. <laughs> I streamed earlier today, so my voice sounds kind of weird. Yeah, I did a lot of streaming this morning, so. I'm kind of like, my voice is a little bit shot, but I'm trying to pull through. Um, yeah, so like I said, they do like a little like parodies and stuff. It's, but I like the part is they're involving the family as well. So it looks like it's more on the Smith family as well. They're getting involved in all the gags and stuff too as well. So definitely check it out. Rick and Morty, Sunday nights on Adult Swim. Or you can check it out. The past season's on Hulu or wherever you get your streaming search from. Things also on HBO Max as well. You can check them out on there as well. Um, another thing too... As right now, like, of course, um, a lot of, like, the, lot of anime, I was trying to catch up all the anime today, like, there's a lot of winter anime are ending this year, a lot of, a lot of their season finales, or 
mid-season finales came out this weekend. Of course, um, like winter break, like winter break, but yeah, like winter break. But of course, with like COVID and stuff, they have to like you know take time because um, but it did, but what comes with that? There was a lot of announcements afterwards. Um, I just watched usually Kaisen season finale, and it's said to be continued. But they announced um, the studio Mappa and the creators of Jujutsu Kaisen just announced um, they're doing a film based on the prequel manga. So they're announcing a film that's going to be made as well, which is a prequel to that as well. And of course, Biko's joining us right now. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, they, they, they announced um, that as well. Black Clover ended this week as well. Um, they also announced a film that is in the works as well. So there's a lot of like, films and stuff that are coming out. Um, same thing with, uh, I just watched the time I got reincarnated as a slime. Had their mid-season finale, which was, was only like 12 episodes. Usually when they do, when it comes to anime, they do something called cores. So what they do is they do parts. So let's say like part A is like 12 episodes, and the second part will come out later this year. No, it's 12 episodes. Um, they announced that's a mid-season, I didn't realize it was a mid-season finale as well. Um, then I saw some animes that are just wrapping up. I don't know if they're going to get a second season or not. Unless, um, the Hidden Dungeon, only I can enter. Watch that one. It was okay. Um... The premise is like almost like a video game and stuff, but it's funny because the main protagonist basically, you know, he finds this, he stumbles across this hidden dungeon, his name is Norstardia, and pretty much, um, comes across this, uh, like, person who's trapped in the dungeon, and she's held by these chains, and lucky for her, she's able to give him her, her abilities to, like, create, edit, or gain your moves, basically. He can create his own moves, so it's kind of like a video game almost. But the cost of it costs life points or LP. And the only way he can restore his LP is by eating, resting, or he can do it by eating, you know, eating, staying healthy. Um, the second one is gaining money, earning. And the third one, getting involved in kind of like lewd type of activity to restore his life points. But, but it gives, there's a cost for it, but at least it lets him like create different abilities. And I just watched the season finale for that, so I, I gave it like a 7 on Mal, so definitely, that was a more interesting type of, type of anime. So like I said, there's more interest this year from winter anime, so, like I said, there's a lot for me to catch up, like, that's why I'm like, trying like, you know, and I'm still gotta catch up on Rise Zero, season 2, part 2, um, because, you know, how they broke it down in two parts, I, I'm like 6 episodes away of finishing that one up, because I decided to wait until the whole series so I could just binge it all. Because with that one, I kind of like... With, it depends on certain animes where I'll wait until all the episodes are out instead of following it weekly. Then I'll like just binge it all in one single binge. And that's one of the animes I like. You know, that's I enjoy because it's been a long time since the last season. So, and that, and of course, you know, with the new... Then when Attack on Titan, which... Guys, I have not seen the final season of Attack on Titan because I'm so behind the anime. I've been reading the manga, but... The season finale, what first we thought was a series finale, ends up being a season finale because they did announce a part two, Studio Mappa, they did announce a part two to Attack on Titan final season, but it announced for winter of 2022. So that means you're going to wait for almost less than a year for pretty much next winter, so I'm guessing next winter, possibly January 2022, for Attack on Titan final season part two. So probably about a year, which it's understandable because with COVID and stuff right now, a lot of studios, you know, they got to follow like the guidelines and stuff. I know Japan is slowly by slowly lifting the state emergency right now. 
has more people getting access to the vaccines in Japan. But at the same time, it's probably to give studios time to, you know, take their time and getting these products out. Because, you know, listening to, like, other podcasts when it comes to anime, it's like, when when you try to shoot anime out for, like, weekly and stuff, you know, the quality sometimes is not there. And that's why, like, they do it for the run, and then when they come back... Because what they do is, people don't realize, you know, sometimes with some shows, um, they record the voices first, and then they do the animation. Pretty much the opposite with anime. They actually do the animation first, they do animatics, and just have the Japanese voice actors actually dub it while watching the, the footage on the screen. Which is really interesting. So that sometimes they get rushed, and sometimes they're when they finally you know they do the run on TV, they'll go back when they release their home video, they'll go back and retouch it up and everything. I'll probably have the actors come back and re-record their lines, something they have more better emphasis on the lines and stuff. Because you know they feel the pressure to like try to put out content every week. So yeah, so I've been like catching up on that, and of course keeping up with the news, and of course the elusive PS5 has still eluded me because you know it's still hard, and of course there's been rumors about the whole. The part shortage when it comes to circuitry and stuff, and and you know who knows because it's like the parts that you know Xbox and Microsoft and Sony use for their, their systems, you know, it's a possibility that could play a handle pretty much restocks and stuff because it's still hard to get both systems right now. It's still uh, that's debatable, but yeah. and then of course the funny thing that happened is we can apparently there was that ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah, I guess it finally got freed by um this group from this crew from Egypt actually. Mm-hmm. I was watching, I was like looking at Reddit and and there's so many memes and stuff about it. The ever whatever they call it, whatever, I forgot the, the ship was called, but it's Evergreen. I didn't realize Evergreen's like a it was an Asian company that owns that company. That was their liner. And it got stuck in the Suez yeah, Canal. Yeah, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of coffee and home <laughs> products and uh, IKEA furniture that was found among amongst the shipping containers that were getting delivered which i'm assuming is pretty impactful when it comes to world trade i mean that we even saw stocks going down because of uh the weekend and how it the ship being stuck across this major trade canal being having an effect in even these fucking wall street pockets so it it, it, is memes are one thing but damn to see all that was affected and thankfully those people were able to get it out and Obviously, the goods were being able to be on their way to being delivered. and Yeah, props to that crew, dude. They did great. Like, they were on Reddit and stuff, and they were, like, getting a lot of props, a lot of, like, positive vibes from the people online. Like, thanks to these heroes that are from Egypt, and they had a video of them, like, celebrating after they were able to get that ship to lodge. I guess there was, like, a tugboat or something that helped dislodge them. Mm-hmm. So they were able to get it done, and they were celebrating. That was cool. Like, kudos to them. I forgot what country they're from, but, but someone posted on Reddit, like, one of the guys... Found the video from the the crew, and they're, uh, apparently they're from Egypt. Awesome guys, good job <laughs> getting that stuff unstuck. And yeah, it was like, of course, what any kind of disaster is going to be the memes. You know, it's it's more liable for anything that happens. Yeah, you're going to get memed. So it, you know, it that's how it is. Um, yeah. So like I said, I've been like catching up on anime and stuff over the weekend, like all the winter finales and stuff. And um, one thing too, I had did not see season two of. Uh, with the Soldier Falcon, which I'm probably gonna do later after recording this podcast, by check it out what episode two is. And of course, the Mighty Ducks um, show came out last weekend as well. Um, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which is interesting because now the Ducks are pretty much the antagonists now. So a little flip on the script, basically. But they got like Stephen Brill, who was one of the creators of the movie franchise, involved in the project as well. 
and they got like Emilio Estevez in as well, and they're were involved in it too. Because I heard that there was an interview that he had recently that it probably took this show to finally bring him back, like the concept. Because they tried many times to try to reboot and revival, and he kept turning it down little by little. And for some reason, this concept, you know, brought him in <laughs> back into the fold. So, um, yeah, so, like I said, too, I finished also watching, um, today I also finished watching, uh, the season, the season finale, the series finale of Superstore. If you haven't seen Superstore, you can check it out on Peacock. You can get the whole series run on there. Um, it's up by Justin Spritzer, who worked on the shows like Scrubs. Um, the show, they had the one-hour series finale, which was broken down to two episodes, and it did really good, kind of wrapped up a lot of stories in the show. And they brought America Ferrera back for the final two episodes. That was kind of cool. Just to wrap up the whole story with her, her character and, jo- and the Jonah character. But it was really good. So definitely check out that show. Because it kind of reminds me so much. Because I used to work at a superstore. So it kind of... <laughs> kind of like... It kind of... You know... Because I used to work in a superstore. It got to bring some of those memories in when I used to work in a superstore. But the comedy is there. It's, it's really good. It's like six seasons. So definitely check it out. It's on Peacock. Um, I also checked out... Before Beacon showed up, I was watching um, the Beth Phoenix WWE Icon documentary they released on Sunday. It talked about her, like, how she got into pro wrestling and how she... It was kind of cool. It was interesting hearing from her story how struggles, like, she tried to get into the wrestling business or the way how she looked that she wasn't your typical girly girl and, you know, she had a dream of being a wrestler. She grew up a wrestling fan. She worked hard to the point she was on her amateur wrestling team for Notre Dame High School. Only the only female on the wrestling team, and you know she had worked hard to her dream to the point where, you know, she owned money on school loans and stuff, and tried to get into wrestling. You know, sacrificed like all that, and to the point where she finally made it to WWE, and shows how all the things she went through, and the stuff outside the ring. So definitely check it out. It's on WWE Icons. That's currently on WWE Network in the U.S. until eight, until the W never goes down in the U.S. on April 4th. But you can check it out check it out on Peacock right now if you haven't already subscribed to Peacock. Definitely check it out. It's a really good documentary. It's like, I enjoy how they're doing these, like... That's what I do like about WWE when they do these documentaries. They let the people be themselves, you know? The stuff outside the ring, because, it's like, come on. There's still people. They're portraying characters, but, you know, it's cool to see the stuff outside the ring. Like, the icons of Yokozuna one, that's a really good episode. I think they got, like, a British Bulldog plan... Also, Rob Van Dam and all. Yeah, heads up. Um, RVD, the whole damn effing show, was announced yesterday by Fox Sports that he'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame 2021. So, hopefully, I know they're going to have that streaming, I believe, next week on Peacock. The Hall of Fame ceremony. I don't know, but they'll probably do it mostly virtual. We'll see how they do it because I know they're going to do the class of 2020 and 2021 because the coders were COVID last year. They didn't get to do the Hall of Fame ceremony. And then I was looking, um, because WrestleMania coming out, um, next week, um, uh, K-Shy Seats posted an article about the guidelines for ticket holders that go over there for the two-night event, and what, um, guidelines they're gonna follow. And I was looking at the pictures, I'm like, uh, they, they've uploaded, like, what the guidelines are when you go to the event, and then there's, like, liability stuff, like, you can hold WWE accountable if you get sick or something afterwards, you know? But they're telling you, you gotta have a mask. There's gonna be designated areas for screenings. You're gonna do health screenings, your temperature checks, and everything. You're subject to a temperature check. You gotta fill out a questionnaire where you go in, like fill out a quick questionnaire if you haven't been in contact with someone with COVID. Um, mostly everything like food and stuff, 
you gotta buy like you gotta have this in areas like pods and stuff um everything pretty much if you want to buy souvenirs or like food and concessions will be contactless payment or you have your debit card or credit card but if you don't have cash they want they're not taking cash but they're going to have like reverse atms where you can put money in it'll get they give you like a visa prepaid card so you can use it to like buy stuff because they're trying, you know, like I said, they're trying to be, like, safe and everything. Like I said, they'll have people stationed out throughout the, throughout the stadium to make sure, you know, you know, you're following social distancing. Well, like I said, this is the first time they get to, you know, that the WWE's the, doing a live show with fans. And they're going to do a WrestleMania, you know. Because right now, I think after WrestleMania, they're still going to do the whole closed set, you know, show still. And then, of course, NXT is moving to Tuesday nights after WrestleMania because, um... With US with um, um, NHL and NBC Sports coming a deal where they're gonna have games on USA Network, and because they're shutting down at NBC Sports Network as well. But yeah, I mean WrestleMania is like a week away. It's two nights. I'm looking forward to it because it's like like I said, it's the first time they get to perform in front of, of people. I know the wrestlers are probably excited because now they gotta you know plan their matches. And hopefully, I mean, follow social distance protocol and see how they, you know, interact with the fans and stuff as much as they can. Where is it at? Um, it's going to be at the Buccaneer Stadium. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Because that's where they're operating at Tampa because right now they're using the Tampa Bay Delray Stadium right now for the, doing the shows right now, just doing the closed set shows. I think they're going to move after. Yeah, they're going to move after WrestleMania because um, I guess they're going to move it uh, by the University of Central Florida. Um, uh, college stadium they're used that for now to do their shows because they're still not going to travel yet they still haven't got to go ahead and go travel yet because of COVID so they, because the Rays baseball starting up soon so the Rays got to use their stadium so they're going to have to move shop over there so for right now for uh, for the foreseeable future until they get to go ahead and start doing live shows again um, I thank Daddy Trump for that <laughs> yeah guys we still got to follow the social distancing protocols and stuff um yeah, so like I said, I didn't see Raw last night, but I was just reading like the highlights and stuff. And like I said, that I broke out dark. I was, I'm, I'm kind of curious how they're going to have everything set up with WrestleMania. And that's kind of cool how they are taking the precautions and stuff. They are following like the health guidelines. And like I said, so those people that are going to go out to the stadium and watch WrestleMania, lucky. I don't know how much tickets were, but enjoy it, guys. You know, enjoy it to the fullest you can. And stay safe, you know, stay safe. And be grateful that you guys could ever go. I think there are going to be a lot of like 25,000 people for both nights. Is mm-hmm. it the capacity wise? I think it's kind of similar to what they have for the Super Bowl. I think Super Bowl had like around that number too. And speaking of NFL, I know we don't do much sports on the Pop Culture Podcast, but they did announce today that due to the agreement, the collective bargaining agreement that was ratified last year, and um, the, vote, the owners voted in favor of allowing a 17th game. Oh, wow. For the regular season, which will eliminate a preseason game. So now preseason games will only be three games, and the regular season will be 17 games. But the agreement is um, they're going to face teams, they're going to face an AFC opponent. So the opponent's not in their division. And they're going to rotate. So pretty much this year, NFC teams gonna, are going to play against the AFC teams. The AFC teams will be the home team. And then the follow, they're going to rotate every year. So as for us, we're Chicago. A Bears fan, they're going to face the L- the Las Vegas Raiders for that 17th regular season game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's the agreement I read today, and they put it on Twitter that the, the owners did vote for it, and it, it passed because they, well, I guess that was the one to collect the bargaining, so they were going to like 
That's why they added like that extra team for like the playoffs. That's why they added like two wild card teams this year, which was actually it kind of made it exciting because it gave another team a chance to get in. And like adding a 17 game eliminates up their preseason game. But having the whole okay, we're gonna have NFC versus AFC, which is kind of cool. That was the only thing that we're gonna do was NFC versus AFC. So like a certain division versus a different division in the AFC. So I think it's like the the NFC North versus like the AFC West. Because they're gonna have the NFC West face the AFC East or AFC North because I'm also a Steelers fan, so the Steelers are gonna face the, C- the Seahawks as well. For that's their opponent they're gonna face in Week 17. Mm. But they're still gonna have the bye week. I mean, they'll still have the bye week, so they each would have one bye week still. But then now they have to play 17 games in regular season. Well, well, well technically, though, yeah. What, be- I don't, what I don't like about that. Is that I mean, of course, the owners, considering that it's a private league, that they're they voted on it. Who knows if they even the players even got a say in it? And even that, it's look. I'm not saying the players wouldn't be able to play an extra week, mm-hmm. considering that there's a lot of. I mean, it's a pretty physically demanding sport for what it's worth. So, yeah, the players get an extra payday, so there is incentive on both sides. Obviously, with the owners. Already loving the fact that an extra game is going to bring more revenue to their substantial, um, I want to say, I guess it's property at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their teams. So, And with COVID affecting a lot of sports across the board, including the NFL being such a pivotal um, a pivotal sport in America, it's it's obviously the the talks of adding another game was probably more in favor towards the owners than it would be towards the players because, yeah, they take a game away from the preseason, but it's that's one more week of training, one more week of conditioning, one more week of practice, another week of a game, right, for preparation. And, and that's not even including playoffs where they still have to play as long as they, their team stays in the tournament. So it's just for the athlete side of things, yeah, they, they're able to earn more money, but there's also more risk of getting injured. and. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those injuries could be career-ending. So it's, from a player's perspective and somebody who's played in organized sports, like, that's, that's very demanding. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a fan's perspective, oh, look, more, you know, more another week of football. Great. Yeah. But, and that's where, like, I also hate the NFL in that aspect because they obviously just don't. They, they're, the players' coalition is a little more frowned upon within that sport as opposed to other ones like baseball and basketball being two of the other major sports in America and and I guess soccer is is very similar to FIFA is very similar to the NFL where they don't really give a fuck about the players so it's just yeah it's another week guys I'm sure like football fans are excited to see another week of football but just take that into consideration that these are people who also like like just because it's another year, we're not out of the pandemic. So like, yeah, the protocols can be taken. But like, as we saw, as we seen the NBA continuously, players are getting exposed even out of their own. Like even with how how controllable they have shown, and with the bubble being like success, like who's to say with yeah. these players traveling that they're not going to get affected? See, this is easily. why I like how the NHL handled it because what I do like what the NHL had been doing was having you know. It's, Trying to limit the risk of, risk of traveling. Because right now, the way they're doing it, they're just having the Canadian yeah. teams versus the Canadian teams. But what I like about it is they're doing, like they're doing, straight, they're doing straight, two straight games right. at the same place. So that kind of limits the amount of traveling 
That's what the NHL did. They just had the Canadian teams versus the Canadian teams and the American teams versus the American teams. That'll be back to the division. That's why they have like two straight games at the same stadium just to limit the amount of travel they had to do. Like baseball kind of works a little bit because they can stay like they can have like they do that anyway. They do that anyway, but they have been doing that just to limit the amount of travel, which they have been doing. Because so I think that's why NHL kind of took a play out their their book to say, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we? But at the same time, it's like I think with MLB, like right now, they only have one Canadian team, was the Blue Jays, which right now they're playing like up in upstate New York right now, and they're playing at their um, AAA affiliate uh, stadium right now since they can't go to Toronto because, of course, you know Canada's still on lockdown for certain things for non-essential travel and stuff. So it's like. They had a calm day as well, but like this year with baseball, at least you know they were able to just spring training as normal because they usually do it down south and you know in Arizona and Florida, they would do it down there. And the and the seasons will start coming up a little bit this coming month. I'm looking forward to baseball, and I like for a fact that they're allowing to have fans again, like in Chicago, they're like they're allowed to have at least twenty percent, you know, capacity right now in the stadium. So I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, it's slowly starting. I mean, as soon as like. You know, with the vaccine stuff, and of course, you know, conventions are still being virtual right now. I know um, Comic-Con was trying to do something for, like, Thanksgiving weekend or something. They were trying to do an in-person event during Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. You know, they, like, but I guess that got put on hold or something. Well, yeah, I mean, Biden, or President Biden announced that they want that 90% of adults from raging, I think the baseline was 30 and up in age, are going to be able to be hopefully getting the getting the vaccine. So... That's 90% of the country that they'll even be, be, you know, hopefully administering more vaccines out to people, which if he wants to do that by like April 19th, 20-ish, which is around the corner, really, mm-hmm. that, that gives a lot of incentives to people planning, you know, big events such as like conventions, concerts, um, sporting events, uh, le- uh, just, you know, lectures, things like that, circuits, all, all this stuff. Not saying we're returning to normalcy, but we're going to no, see more, I mean, no. more of these announcements coming up. With yeah, I think it's like, as long as the, as soon as like the, like you said, like the vaccine becomes more and more available, like ex- putting the age more down. Because right now it's more for like the elderly and like frontline workers right now and medical personnel we're the first line to get vaccines right now. But then once lowering the age range, I think it will encourage more people to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. It's like I think having I understand they had to get like. You know, they had to do first. They got to do a certain age group. Of course, medical. Honestly, they do have to get they're the first priority when it comes to getting the vaccine because they're at the front lines. They're fighting this disease. You know, they're right there taking risk of their lives, and that front line works as well. Grocery people that work in grocery stores or essential business need to get vaccinated. Elderly need to get vaccinated. You know, and you know, it's just about patience. You know, it's like, you know, it's being patient. Of course, you know, families and stuff. You know, they're slowly starting to get back together and having little events. Um, of course, you know, with us, when it comes to our family, it's like, look, we're like, only like four people in our family, just our folks and us. But, you know, for those people that have big families and it sucks, you know, if they have family that's spread out in different states and stuff, and who knows how they're getting their protocols and stuff done. And then, you know, because stuff like that, like, of course, hopefully people can start having weddings again or parties again as soon as more people get vaccinated and stuff and it's more controllable and stuff. Because so far, I haven't seen any numbers of cases yet. I don't know. I haven't been following too much on news-wise. I've just seen so far, like, a lot of, like, communities, like, the community we, we like we live in, they're doing a lot of, like, the vaccination events and food pantry and stuff, which I do big props to the community that we live here that they're, you know, helping people and stuff. I set up, like, vax, max vaccination clinics. 
I'm gonna send that stuff up and and of course right now um I do like for a fact like Hulu was doing the whole um and like these documentaries for like for African Americans and stuff. That was kinda cool, the initiative twenty nine. Mm-hmm. That was kinda cool like Hulu was doing that thing. They were showing the commercials for it. I was watching um Solo Opposites last night. They were showing that like Craig Robinson was talking about and stuff on there, they had a month speaking on there as well. Um and of course when I all the stuff that's going on with the the Asian community as well, the Asian Americans and some guideline communities that are being affected right now by all the attacks as well. It's like, it's like I said, it like, you know, and sometimes like it, the pandemic does bring, you know, a different side of people. But at the same time, people having that time away, the isolation kind of like gets people to start thinking and stuff. No, I just think it's unfortunate to see that, you know, there's people... all this stuff's like falling up, like all the. Right, but I just. And there's that's an aspect of it, but it's also just people being super easily influenced by by certain media things or or what they mm-hmm. or what they only subscribe to, and if they already have some sort of ideologies that seem to be in more of a negative aspect of how they think or how they perceive other humans or independent of their environment, and they're already easily influenced. It's unfortunately not everybody critically thinks. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and critical thinking, unfortunately, as well, isn't really taught in our education system in America. You're not really taught to think, you're just taught to memorize. Memorize things that are not even really remotely relevant when it comes to actually living in here. And so, and I know people, not everybody gets to go to college, and, not, and college isn't really suitable for everyone either. Uh, so, but I. I'm someone who understands that college is, is works for certain people and it works and doesn't. However, what a positive of, of going to university or going to a college is that it does hopefully there's professors that you encounter who do teach you to kind of practice that critical thinking muscle. So all I ask is that you stop with this weird this closed minded bigotry of thinking mm-hmm. of, of hearing one aspect of the news and not and not even bothering to research or even look on the opposite side of the of the lane of a perspective that may, you know, may have you in a different way of thinking or sway you in a certain way. So, but I know that stems from some sort of conditioning as well that you've you could have been raised from a you know, a racist household or or a home that doesn't that has certain views towards other people of of different ethnicities or. Or skin types, and it's fucking ridiculous how we're still dealing with stuff like this. Um, but it's just humans are humans want to be complex, but at the same time, I don't. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're really not. Unfortunately, humans are products of what they what they're influenced by and what they're taken in by, and, and I think we forget about that animalistic. You know, also the same thing. It's I think like religion plays a factor as well yeah. because people yeah. don't realize that in history itself, there have been wars over not just you know ethnicity and stuff. It was wars over religion too, over made up stuff, over religion as well. You know, yeah. you talk about the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, you know, the Dark Ages, you know, the Fall of Rome. Those things were all down because because of you know prejudice, you know, ignorance, stuff like that. You know, closed minded, their closed mindedness, and that was influenced. You know what? By religion. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-religion or anything. I'm more like spiritual. So I'm like, I respect every single religious, you know, religion out there. 
but more of I found more of the caring for others aspect of religion. You know, helping people in need. You know, being accepted, being you know, you know, inclusive. You know, being accepted of other people's cultures. You know, being you know, open minded. You know, loving others. You know, I think everyone. Yeah. There's a big difference between principles mm-hmm. and execution. Yes. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people who hold on to principles but do not execute what they truly believe in. And I don't. I call those people who who disrespect religion and don't really understand what they're what they think they're following. Yeah. And this is coming from two people who were raised in, in, in and I'm going to say unfortunately the Catholic faith because it's very unfortunate. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know, res- re- believe what you want to believe, but I just think Catholicism is one of the, one of the most dangerous religions out there as far as uh, social conditioning, execution, and, and moralities, and just things that just don't make any sense at the end of the day if you truly sit back and think. I'm not saying they're the only ones out there, but, and like you mentioned before, there's you don't need to build up a moral compass based on these old scriptures of religion or whatnot, like you could, you, you could bring this on a basis of your own, Mm -hmm. but it could result from obviously the different types of environments that you grew up in. But yeah, you don't need necessarily a religious, like constrictive influence to shape your own morality. Just kind of think it takes it, it. Yes, it work. It takes a little more time, but just trust me when you really just open your mind and really see the error in your ways. Just become you become more self aware and you become more appreciative of those around you. And I'm not saying there isn't any sort of positive that you can find in religion. It's a great it's great for people to find community and and others who share who do like who do carry out these principle these good principles in religion. Um, it's just, unfortunately, those same people that you might find in community and could be seeing something very negative or could be reading a different part of the book or interpreted differently. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. And like I said, um, right now with this culture right now, with how they're dubbing it cancer culture, and of course now, re- and also time of reevaluation when it comes to like old stuff. Um, right now with WWE shifting their content over to Peacock, right now Peacock and Do- Peacock is reviewing all the old content of WWE to see if it fits to the standards and practices of the network, of the service itself. And WWE says they are working with Peacock in general. They're really saying because I guess right now, um, some, like I think one match was cut from WrestleMania 6 and a promo as well because it was, um, Ryan Wright Piper versus, um, Bad News Brown. And there was a promo at Ryan Piper. Right, Piper had half of his fit, like half of his body painted black. That's making fun of Bad News Brown, and of course, you know that's almost like, you know, this is WrestleMania six, so this is like in Toronto, nineteen ninety. You know, the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan, you know, champion versus champion, and of course, they cut that match of Right Piper and the promo in its entirety because of what it portrayed, um, as well as they cut a segment from the two thousand five Survivor Series where Vince McMahon and was running into John Cena in the backstage area. And Booker T was involved as well. And Mr. Man ended up using the N-word. And you see Big Booker T reacting, tell oh. me he didn't just say that. So that stuff it was cut as well. So like they were going through like the hours of footage. And like I said, see what is 20, 2021 appropriate. Well, the fact that Vince McMahon even said that, which 
It was 2005. It I doesn't mean, matter. No, I, I can, I'm not surprised. But I like for the fact that you know WWE is actually okay with Peacock because I mean Peacock paying the money like a five, like almost a billion dollar deal for a five year deal, and they are working with them to review you know all the content, which would means chances are you can see some matches or possible content from the Attitude Era being cut. Because remember, there was one where D Generation X made fun of the Nation of Domination or Kanetai being the, the whole one that had blackface, right? I think it was like uh, I think it was like Xbox was Mark Henry or something. And same thing with like Billy Gunn. They're making fun of Nation Domination. You might see that segment get cut. Or there's one with um, Kai Tai, the, the Asian, you know, um, group, Kai and Tai. With the whole, you know, Mr. Yamaguchi being, you know, even though he was Japanese descent, he was still portraying almost like a stereotypical, the way they were talking and stuff too as well. So you can see those segments getting cut. Which I understand, yeah, you're cutting history, but at the same time, you got to understand from this point onward. Because, I mean, we were kids growing up during the Attitude Era. We didn't know that time. That was, you know, they had to push the ratings, you know, TV. But going going back, I started watching that before. It was different back then. It was different back then. But watching now, I can see why that pile won't fly in today's world right now. And it kind of brings to my point where right now, um, I don't know if you ever, I don't know, if you ever feel familiar to Captain Underpants yeah, book series? And um, that, I think that made headlines we today were, with the we spinoff. Were already, we were already a little older. When that started coming out, I think I was already in high school. But, but apparently, it. yeah, there was an article. I guess he did, he wrote a spinoff or something. Mm-hmm. And apparently it, that book got Scholastic cut the the circulation of it. And they're pulling it from libraries because I guess it's um has passive um, racism against the Asian community. I guess so. So they're going back and probably re-edit them. The same thing with like, like now with Dr. Seuss. And then, like, like I said, a lot of stuff's getting, you know, either removed or updated. Because it means that, you know, it's not acceptable now. It's never been acceptable. So it's like... And that's the thing, right? But yeah. There's, it's a it's a fine line between cancel culture and I don't... I'm not the huge biggest fan of it, but I, I do understand why these things are getting evaluated this way for what the culture is now. And mm-hmm. this stuff shifts, guys. I don't understand. There's, there's a big group that hate this shit. And I get it. Unfortunately... Like, just because it was okay in your generation, there were things in ours that were not okay at all. And look at, mm. it took this while, this a good amount of time to even bring up this conversation. And obviously, it's the old-fashioned saying, you got to hit them where it hurts, and that's the pockets. And this is what's happening, right? It's, it's, it's essentially that. And there's got to be a fine line between representation and accurate representation. I'm not saying we should laugh at ourselves at the end of the day. But it's not at the expense of offending others who may take it a different way. So if that's the case, that's the case. But like in regards to what you were mentioning, the different circumstances within wrestling and how it was portrayed. In the how the characters were portrayed back then. Yeah. yeah, like if if obviously when you see things in an adult lens as opposed to when you're growing up, you don't you can't you don't understand it. You're seeing it as pure entertainment because you don't really understand the kind the the connotations that it brings. Or how it could offend people. And yes, even the people who are participating in it maybe didn't feel good about it. Like, I think I read an article yesterday of, um, and I was watching the episode of The Office yesterday about Benny Hanna Christmas. How one of the actors uh, was in it that, that portrayed uh, the Benny Hanna um, server. Like, no, the, the, the server. Yeah, she yeah. felt, you know, she was offended by some of the little characteristic jokes that they were throwing in that, in that show, in that specific episode. But... She kind of implied that it was more the environment office kind of curated, at least the producers were in that in that specific case. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're taking this from the perspective of somebody who was participating in that episode. Yeah. That 
it created somewhat of a feeling of like you should be I guess you could say you should be happy that you're even on this popular show doing a thing. And that didn't sit well with me. I understand. I mean, the episode I, I watched, I literally watched this episode like last night. Yeah, because I think Peacock has the extended episodes. That yeah, are, they uh, have DVD, the super yeah. fan ones. And it's okay. But like, yeah, you watch that episode and it's still kind of like, yeah, the jokes are very... Dated, yeah. And not even that dated, but like, even if I saw that when we were watching it as of currently, because we followed it pretty well once yeah. we got into it, but... Even watching it, some of the jokes were already kind of just like it always felt flat for me, anyways. Mm-hmm. But like even then, it's like to it's interesting to get a kind of a a little like a, a comment on it from the actor that was in there, and and she, you know, has a right to feel that way if especially when they're poking fun of that. Like they do it all the time with uh, Oscar's character, like the, all the shit, you know. Oh, he's he's you know Mexican, but he's also homosexual. But he's also homosexual, and that's always like the underlying joke, but. We're talking about 2005 to 2017, right? So even with all of that, like being homosexual was still considered a, a punchline in these sitcoms, and, and people still laugh about it. Like I, it, it's fucking stupid, but like people, yeah. I don't know, understand why people are that caring about someone's sexual orientation, but that has nothing to do with you. No, I'm like it, it makes no sense, but. Yeah, you know, love who you want to love. That's yeah. what you could say. <laughs> yeah. And it's and, and that's the thing. It's like but you need to understand that you're watching this with with a lens of twenty twenty one, for example, mm-hmm. watching a show that was made this year. It's like if you went if your family introduced you to watching um like the Jeffersons or or All in the Family, Sanford and Son, Cheat uh what it was it, Chico and the Man. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many shows that like yeah, we grew up with a lot of those shows and never once did our parents be like, Oh, you can't you can't, they never really explained to us because at the end of the day, they were laughing at themselves. They, of course, they understood there was shit that they would make fun of us about, but instead of making it seem like we had to be negative about it or put mm-hmm. us in each other down, like you have, you have to feel ashamed of being a Mexican and stuff. No, they just, they would laugh at the, at the jokes because it's like, oh, fuck, it's true. Like our father is very aware of, of, of how Mexicans are treated in this country. I mean, he, he comes from Mexico and he know he went through all that. So like, and he's the one who's, he's pretty conservative. Like he's the one who got a citizenship, he turned red, white, and blue. So it's, it's very strange how complex our father is. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that like he went through that racism and stuff. And he still continues to this day. Like, even if he doesn't have to, he still does. So, and, and it's funny because like even, um, a few times, Next door, because I was looking at the local news, they're uh-huh. going to do a Mexican uh, appreciation festival in, in, during September. Like, they're going to have... Oh, like, that's cool. Yeah, because the Sister City... Um, oh, yeah, Naperville's uh, yeah, Sister well, City would... I don't say, but yeah, like, yeah. they're a Sister City with a, a, a city in Mexico, and so they're going to they're gonna um, do a lot of... They're going to do a... Uh, I think they're going to do a mariachi festival. They're going to do some dances choreographed by the school dance teams. Mm. They're going to bring um, representatives come because there's also representatives in their city government that um, are going to coordinate the events and they're going to try to reach out to the local restaurants in that area to kind of have specials or deliver food to kind of also raise incentive and, and awareness of business there to help with obviously with the pandemic being uh, kind of impacting those businesses too. And they want to kind of offer 
you know, they all like also offer like like you know education as well. Yeah, that's something which, that's, that's really what good. it's for. It's yeah. to I mean, that's that's what this like I said. That's why I like you know like entertainment like Hulu. Like that's the only way you could teach people. There's another way to like yeah. like even the media like Hulu itself like the whole initial twenty nine where okay African American Month was only like 20, 28 days, but I like how the whole twenty eight like they did the initial twenty nine where there, there's still more stuff to tell. That's what I do like. It's all about like you said about education. You gotta educate people. Educate people. Like I said. I have these festivals. It's kind of cool. Who knows? Now they have this, like you know Mexican American you know festival. They'll do that for the Asian community. Like like have like have like you know have you know share like you know share these cultures. You know mixing your cultures like share it because like I said, we all come from different backgrounds. And when I said like last week's episode, and I said that hey, you know it doesn't matter what background you come from, what color of your skin is. There's one thing we all have in common. We are American. Yeah, that's one thing we all have in common that we are American. We are here. We're working together. Like I said, <laughs> let's share our cultures. It starts with food. It starts with traditions. It starts with history. And believe me, we probably all have the same thing. Our, if, if you know what the history of our people was, like we all got, you know, all of us faced the same struggles. Yeah. And, but we all were able to persevere through our culture, through our music, through our food. It's one way to open up a conversation. Food. A good way to share Food. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, talking. Education. Um, like I said, this is a good topic this week because just talking about, you know, culture in general. Like, especially, you know, they're going back and reevaluating things. Like, stuff that was happening. Like I said, um, one thing I just pulled up that New York Times put up. Because, um, of course, it's about a character that you hate, which is SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't hate. I just don't get... I, I just... Am, don't get the hype or something? No, I just wasn't into it. And I was outside. I was outside, guys, when it came out. I didn't care for watching TV anyways. <laughs> the only time I really watched mainly TV was when the Bulls games were on and, and Saturday morning cartoons. SpongeBob was never on my list. I just, did, I just didn't get into it. That's it. I know, unpopular opinion. I just... I don't hate the guy. Obviously, he's made an impact in the culture, and everyone loves the memes. The memes are funny. I just don't get the context of it. Well, they just announced that um, this is article written by Johnny Diaz from the New York Times. Awesome. Um, two episodes of the anime series. I'm going to read this from verbatim from the article itself. The two episodes of the anime series SpongeBob SquarePants have been moved from Nickelodeon Cam Network. One because of sensitivity related to the pandemic, another for not being kid appropriate. That were sent on Tuesday. The cartoon, which debuted in 1999, Nickelodeon follows the underwater misadventures of a talking old sea sponge named SpongeBob who works at a fast food restaurant and is star for his buddy Patrick and our aquatic friends. One episode titled Quarantine Crab centers on a virus storyline. David yep. Biltzer, spokesman for Nickelodeon, said on Tuesday the episode features a health inspector who visits the fast food restaurant where the main character works and finds a case of the clam flu. Oh no. The episode was never put on a schedule to be sen- was never put on a schedule to be sensitive to the pandemic outbreak last year, Mr. B- Filter said on Tuesday. On our episode, Midlife Crustacean was removed from the rotation of the network in 2018, following a standards review in which we determined some story elements were not kid-appropriate, Mr. Filter said. That episode followed another character, Mr. Krabs, the owner of the fast food place, who is feeling old and asked SpongeBob and Patrick if we can jump on a, one, on a wild night out. According to IMDB.com, a true breaks into a woman's house and takes her underwear. CNN reported on the removal of the episodes on Tuesday. The Midlife Crustacean episodes also no longer on Amazon. Usually the episodes removal came at a time when other streaming platforms and publishers that sought to give audiences context for older films, television shows, and books that carry offensive content. And of course, they do recommend that they do um, reference um, the graphic novel by creator of the popular Captain Underpants series is pulled from Circulation by its publisher Scholastic, which said the book featured images and tropes, including Asian stereotypes that perpetuated passes of racism. 
It says the move was pulled, but can they just start man open fire? You know, after the incident happened in Atlanta. Yeah. And of course, it goes on about the other stuff. Like I say, I mentioned earlier about the whole WWE and Peacock reviewing the old content to see if it follows the same practices today. And I got yeah, it's those two episodes which I do understand why they had to pull. Because I remember the episodes. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Crest thought he felt old. He thinks SpongeBob Patrick are like young hip guys. He had going to he wants to go on a panty raid. I'm like panty raid. This is a kid show. It's kind of strange. And the funny thing is that panty thing ends up being his uh, prescribes mom's house. He was gets grounded to his room <laughs> afterwards. But after see why it's like yeah, I would pull. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's not. That's not. That. Anything about the clap food and stuff? Yeah, the quarantine one. Yeah, I'll say that's another one too. That kind of remember that one. I think I don't remember too much about episode lately. I remember seeing some SpongeBob and I had to do something about they had to quarantine themselves in a restaurant or something. Or, but I understand why they're not showing those episodes right now in like you know in syndication. This is the content, but I understand that's kind of good. Like they're taking responsibility for that and they're just reviewing old stuff, which makes sense. I mean, there's. Some of that content are not on, you know, streaming right now. They're currently right now. Like I said, we got Peacock and Believe Me. And I, this one, but I do recommend that I saw that documentary, Kid 90, by um, Salimu Fry, where she actually shared all her, like, was back. Actually, it was kind of cool. It was about her and then all her friends. And, and she did interviews with all her friends in the who grew up with her in the 90s. And. It's all like home videos and voicemails. Yeah, she shows some stuff she had in her diaries when she was a kid. How, you know, she had to start him with Punky Brewster. How she had to deal with the whole stuff after that show. How she had to deal with body image. You know, people she hang around with. The stuff that she got into. And how, and the people that, the people's lives that got affected by the time of the 90s. Which is a really good documentary, which... Did, she did a phenomenal job of, work, of doing it and that was cool like she talked to people that she reconnected all these years and she talked with this one guy who was actually the lead singer of um oh, the band name oh the song the guys all who did all jump around oh House of Pain Everlast yeah House of Pain like he actually she actually got reconnected with him after so many years after so many years, they got together and they talked and stuff. And she showed them like the videos back then and stuff, the home videos and stuff. So it was really good. Definitely, guys, definitely check it out. And talk, it shows what the culture was in the nineties during like during the you know the, the kid, the teen idols of the nineties era. Hmm. You see Brian, um, you see uh, Brian Austin Green. She interviews him, Mark Paul Gallister as well. Um, I forgot other people she interviewed as well on there too. She interviewed a bunch of people on there on the documentary, but she saw like the home videos and how their lives kind of affect others as well. And you know, it, it's really interesting. I don't want to give it too much away, but it's a really good documentary. Definitely gotta watch it. I did. It's on Hulu. It's well, it's, it's a Hulu only documentary. It's called Kid Ninety. Mm-hmm. And right now, you can catch her right now. She's you can catch her original series, Punky Brewster, but she's also cool. She's also on the revival itself. That's currently on Peacock. I haven't checked it out yet. But definitely check it out, guys. She's on there, and I heard I heard positive things about the show, about the revival. So we got Fairy Prince Junior as well. I think he comes out there as well. So definitely check it out, Punky Rooster. But also check out Kid Ninety. So we're gonna bring that up. Um, what thing I was gonna say? Oh yeah, I did see this news right now. Um, before we have to like go on a little break. Um, you know how they're doing the whole CW is doing like a lot of these shows. To fill the void that their roles are slowly leading away. 
And you know they didn't announce a Powerpuff Girls um, show, but the girls are it's live action, but the girls are gonna be older. So yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting. So it, they already got the can the, the actors already. Um, we got the three actresses that are gonna portray Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. Um, they did announce that yeah, so the, the the girls are gonna be starring to be um Chloe Bennett, Chloe Bennett, who you remember her Sky from Legends of Shield, um Dove Cameron, oh. and Yana Peralt. I don't know where she's from, but she's going to be there. And they just announced Donald Faison will be... He's announced as the... As Professor Utonium. Yeah, cool. So, yeah. The um Faison's taking Professor Utonium is a quirky demonair and a pinch narcissistic. He's a scientific genius who's immensely proud of the three extraordinary girls who created his lab. Staring down a midlife crisis, he's determined to repair his relationship with their now adult daughters. And when I pull the premises... When I read about the premise, it looks interesting. It's just going to call Parpuff. That's all it's going to be called. Hmm. Basically, they're not going to have much memory of when they were kids, basically. They're all grown up. They have their powers, but they're not... Also, they don't remember all the stuff they did when they were kids, basically. Because remember, if you've seen Pop-Up Girls when were kids, they were like kindergartners. So, this is like a, like a pretty much a dramatic take on it. It says, supposed to come out... I don't know when they say when it's going to come out soon, but... Let's see... Doesn't say when it's planned, but it's going to be on the CW itself. So that'll be interesting to see how it looks. It's kind of curious. It's like I said, that's kind of cool. How you know what if, what if how the you know how the Power Girls going to be like when they're older? You know, you you have those one if materials. Like I like it. It's like I don't say it's not like a reboot, but it's more like a revival, to say. But I think now with like the technology and stuff now. Yeah, with this visual effects, like they probably saw how successful like shows like Supergirl or The Flash or Arrow, how it, it works doing those visual effects for show or TV. So I'm curious to see how they do it. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see. Yes, yeah, it's gonna be on CW. So like I said, it's like CW they're just trying to fill up the lineup by the shows right now. Like I said, Supergirl's ending this year. Um, Flash still going on. On um, Batwoman as well, which I they did have. I haven't seen Batwoman because I don't have CW, <laughs> and the way you can see CW shows, I don't know if Netflix still has that deal with CW still to have any content. I haven't even gone back and watched Supernatural yet either. <laughs> I still gotta finish that show. <laughs> but yeah, it's something I just saw right now, and I'm interested to see how they can do like the villains and stuff. But that's kind of cool. They got Donald Faison. and I love them in Scrubs, and he was. In, people don't realize he's in Clueless. <laughs> he's also a big fat liar. <laughs> Remember that movie? <laughs> I've never seen it, but I remember that. you never seen Big Fat Liar? No. Nah. Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes? No, nah, I don't think I've seen it. That, that was during Frankie Muniz's time after, like, Malcolm in the Middle, or, like, yeah. he was older and stuff. That was during his rise during Malcolm in the Middle. Funny show, though. Brian Cranston, come on. <laughs> um, I did see something about Pokemon. Um, since the Pokemon Company, this is from comicbook.com. Pokemon announces new kids' books. New children's books. Pokemon Company is publishing a new series of interactive books for young children. Pikachu Press, the book publishing arm of the Pokemon Company, has announced a new Pokemon Primers book series. Pokemon Primers ABC book and Pokemon Primers 1 2 3 book will provide players with a fun and engaging way to learn about the alphabet and numbers while also introducing them to the world of Pokemon. While both Pokemon Primer books are board books, they also come with 100 different flaps to live and reveal, letting young readers explore and find new secrets. Pokemon Primers ABC book and Pokemon Primers 1 3 book of available retailers now. Two additional books, Pokemon Primers Shape Book and Pokemon Primers Colors Book, are set to be released later this year. So, 
they're expanding. <laughs> so you want to educate your kids and you're a big fan of Pokemon growing up. By the way, introduce your kids to the world of Pokemon and also help out with their, you know, ABCs, 1, 2, 3s, colors, and shapes with these books. And look at the picture. I think this is from their Twitter account. As you can see, look at a little Pikachu in the... As you can see, a little picture right there. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, Pokemon would work well in children's books, I feel like. They're pretty well known by now. Yeah. So, that brings me... With dealing with Pokemon, Um, it deals with the topic I wanted to get into, but it kind of helps because it kind of makes things work culture-wise because... I want to talk about, I did mention how 4Kids kind of like made anime to me, kind of turned me away from anime for a spell. Because uh, it kind of fits to what so far we've been talking in this episode about, you know, how culture and stuff, how it either gets localized or gets erased or gets cut and stuff, certain things, or gets heavily localized for American audiences. And one company in particular was 4Kids Entertainment. For those of you who did not grow up in the early 2000s, or grew up in the 2000s, don't know what 4Kids was about, or the ones that grew in the late 90s, mid-90s, or myself, I grew up in the 80s, mid-80s, but in the late 90s, 4Kids Entertainment was a subsidiary, I got this information all from Wikipedia, guys, I took down some highlights, I actually had notes on this, this funny thing is, um, I don't really do any research on this podcast at all, but, you know, it's going to repair, you know? Um, pretty much 4Kids Entertainment was originally called Leisure Concepts. It was co-founded on April 28th, 9th, April 28th. And first it was a company that was like in the 70s. It was founded by Mike Kermikian, later uh, as co-creators of the Thundercats, and Stan Weston, who was a creator of G.I. Joe and Captain Action. Basically, it was a licensed company firm in New York City. And they did things like, they did like, they work with toys and cartoons. They usually pitch to a lot of like toy developers and stuff. And try to do cartoons based on those toys. Um, they also did, did pitches to various companies along with Ted Wolf, which they created Thundercats in the mid-1980s. They did a license to deal with Nintendos in the U.S. That's why you end up getting like those Mario toys in the 80s. Of course, the cereal and stuff, and then, of course, the TV shows. And then, of course, um, it became 4Kids TV and back in 1992, which the whole sort of purpose, it was a subsidiary of Leisure Concepts. The whole purpose of them was to localize anime for American audiences, primarily instead of targeting the teenage demographic, they're more primarily targeting the kid market. With a lot of like American TV was for more of the teenage demographic, they wanted to do, not only try to bring anime to Japan, from Japan to the US, to the West, but pretty much target more of the young demographic. Because with us, with teenagers growing up in the late 90s, we had, you know, X Men, the anime series, we had Power Rangers, we had, you know, Spider-Man as well, all the Marvel cartoons, which were more towards the, the teenage demographic. So pretty much what they did was, in 95, pretty much ended up going from Leisure Concepts and pretty much pretty much took on the name for Kids Entertainment. And of course, they still kept the Leisure Concept name, but it was more for like toy marketing as a separate thing. And of course, um, with that, they were able to get in touch with a lot of studios in Japan to license to not only license for products, but also license their content. And, of course, the biggest ones they got here, which I brought from memory, um, was, of course, the big one that actually was successful, even though it was heavily edited and dubbed and pretty much Americanized, was Pokemon. Because, of course, if it weren't for the anime itself, besides the video game, Pokemon would not be the biggest multi-billion franchise that it is today. Um, they also did Shaman King, even though the remake Shaman King is coming out later this year. 
Um, of course, Sonic X, which is produced by TMS Entertainment. Um, Ultimate Muscle. Um, Ultraman Tiga. Yu-Gi-Oh! One Piece. Even though Funimation took over afterwards. Kirby right back at ya. Fighting Fudons. As well. And, of course, many more. And of course, you know... The company went through so many changes. And, of course, the company itself ended up declaring bankruptcy in 2017. Before we get to that, leading up to that bankruptcy, this is one of the things that pretty much killed anime for myself and possibly for people that grew up on Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, anything else. Because, you know, dubbing was not just in the 90s, you know, Pokemon, all this stuff. They, it was also done, too, as well. As well, in the early 80s, you got like shows like Robotech or Voltron or even Gotcha Man. Also, of course, known in the U.S. as G-Force. And also, two Transformers days were really heavily localized for uncensored and changed for American audiences. Because they felt, even though they came from Japan, they felt that those companies like Harmony Gold and stuff had to make it sound more of American. And one of the things they did was... They were crit- like a lot of four kids. They were heavily criticized by bloggers and people on forums for billing, for doing extreme censorship, story editing, pretty much changing the dialogue, and pretty much or changing where characters say, "Oh, he's not dead." Instead, of changing, "Oh, they died." To they went away. Also, too, music itself was Americanized, taking away the original compositions, even the original theme songs were pretty much replaced with English. Style American music. Even though the Pokemon song is still fun. It, I Honestly, that's the only song I like that was Americanized because honestly, I enjoy the song. Sometimes I remember some of the lyrics of it. <laughs> it's still a song you can actually find on Spotify. Um, and of course, um, the Americanization effect. What do you mean by the Americanization effect? It's pretty much changing all the foods they eat and the shows and giving them American names. So pretty much... Rice patties, onigiri, end up becoming jelly donuts. Even though it wasn't a jelly donut, they just called it a jelly donut, even though clearly it was an onigiri. Because, of course, the effects of that time were still basic. And, of course, um, same thing, you know, if any characters, um, pretty much, like, here, I got notes and stuff, too, um, and he talked about it, too, as well, like, I guess, um, Eric Stewart, who was a voice actor, he did like the voice of Brock in the Pokemon series and also um, Seto Kaiba in the Yu-Gi-Oh! series. Same thing with the Yu-Gi-Oh! series, that was heavily edited and stuff, and certain characters didn't make an appearance. And some characters either were censored, they couldn't show any cleavage at all, like they couldn't show any skin, so they were either wearing like, they put his color in, you know, the parts of cleavage on tours. And the characters had guns, either they replaced the gunshot noises with lasers. So you hear a pew, pew, pew effect, or pretty much they take the guns whatsoever, let's say they're just pointing at you. Yu-Gi-Oh! became, the original Yu-Gi-Oh! became infamous for that, where there's one scene where they're being pursued with these guys with guns in the original content, and it replaced with them pointing fingers. And, of course, um, One Piece was heavily censored as well, because Sanji usually smokes, but in the 4Kids version of One Piece, he was shown having a lollipop in his mouth. Yeah. And like I said... A lot of the theme songs were replaced, so none of the original Japanese closing themes or opening themes were all original songs. And Eric Stewart, who voiced it, actually got some information from him, I actually got this from him. He pretty much um, talked about his work on production with four kids. 
he pretty much um pretty much for kids even though i blame him a lot but i can see why they had to change it because at first you know i hated him so much but at the same time i can see why they had to do it because it says here it's pretty much the production said he pretty much blamed the changes due to the networks because they were on Arian shows on Saturday mornings and they had got a list of references that network requests such as removal because yeah it makes sense but a lot of these shows that four kids shown were on Saturday mornings and of course you know the time slots you know they can't have this type of contact even though we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles we had you know freaking uh other shows that were going on Batman the animated series they were shown in the afternoon but we had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the mornings. And you're fighting and stuff. But, like I said, it says here, removal, this is the things that Eric Stewart noted in the interview. He said, pretty much this is what the notes that the networks were giving. Pretty much removal of inappropriate firearms. Our gunshots were changed to sound effects, to laser sound effects. Or the guns were replaced by hands pointing. Sexual references, jokes or humor were all moved or altered. Religious references were removed. Mention of death or characters dying were cut or mentioned that the, ch- that the characters just took went on vacation or left on a long trip. Alcohol and cigarettes were removed or altered to soda or lollipops. For example, Sanjay from One Piece is shown. Yeah, so, yeah, all mentions of beer and stuff were changed to soda. And, of course, and of course, Japanese cultural references such as signage, names, Japanese signage, names, texts were altered or the text simply was removed. And, of course, for example, Sonic X. Even though the signs were in English, they still removed the text. There was nothing but these blank backgrounds in the in the original version of Sonic X. Food names were changed to sound American. For example, Onigiri became Jelly Donuts. Character names were Americanized. Because even though these cartoons were made in Japan, they try to make as much as American as they have they can. Also, character skin colors were also changed as well. Because they're afraid, they're afraid that the characters, even though, because they're afraid of possible racism. Even though Japanese have been, we're pretty much open-minded when it comes to, like, other cultures. But, like I said, this is all by the network. Even though I found I thought it was for kids, but they went through it. That's why it led to a lot of, um... That's what led to a lot of like anime purists who pretty much urged four kids to pretty much try to release new uncut versions of the cartoons, but pretty much never did. That's why you can never. There's. That's why the only time you can see an uncut version of Sonic X, we can watch it on Hulu because you can watch it in the original language. Yeah, it's all uncut because you actually see the original songs, which were actually were done by the composer of the Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog um, games for the Dreamcast. He ended up composing the actual opening theme song for Sonic X, which was really cool. And of course, eventually, uh, Pokemon ended up getting... Four kids lost their rights to Pokemon to Viz Media. And of course, Viz Media pretty much was able to distribute Pokemon everywhere else. That's why you can see Pokemon on Netflix and all that stuff. And Hulu possibly as well. But I believe they still have the original dub versions. Because I don't think they have the original cuts. So I think we're still stuck with that. Um, I know Pokemon they had like a bunch of episodes and they never made a light of day here. There was one with the Polygon, Porygon episode, because um that was the one episode I believe was never aired again. That's why you're never gonna see that episode like I think it was all your short clips on YouTube, but it was more for historical purposes because apparently that episode of the Porygon episode 
have flashing lights and sequences that could cause seizures, and it, it actually hurt children in Japan. Mm. Reports with headaches and possible one in Japan, so that episode never made it here to the West. And of course, another episode that eventually actually got put air was the whole Pokemon Vacation episode where Misty ends up entering into a swimsuit competition, and of course, Justin Richie Rocket joins in, and of course, James ends up wearing this suit that pretty much makes his breasts become big. And so somehow that made it past the censors when Pokemon was on Kids WB. It was only shown once, but it was never shown again. And they called it Pokemon The Lost Episodes. But still, whether that um, Funimation was able to get um, One Piece end up going to, um, most of that stuff went to Funimation, where pretty much Funimation was able to get the cuts, and they're able to release uncut versions, and they got to do voice cast to replace the original actors. Um, pretty much four kids used the same actors pretty much for every single anime. It wasn't like, it wasn't, they didn't reach out to, you know, Funimation, who pretty much uses everyone from any other industry. Four kids pretty much used the same actors for everything. Yeah, that's cheaper. And it says they're lucky for us, we have companies that have, such as Crunchyroll, and Funimation are able to get the rights, you know, we're able to get the rights, we're able to get those rights away from four kids, and of course, um, original companies started looking towards other licensors. So now, thanks to like streaming services, now, but you need now dubbing. Pretty much, Funimation kind of saved the whole dubbing thing because dubbing has become a negative aspect thanks to four kids. That's why a lot of people will rather watch the stuff subtitled because they're afraid they watch a dub, the lot of stuff's gonna get cut. As right now, thanks to companies like Funimation and Crunchyroll and Sentai Filmworks. They're able to go back and pretty much we're able to release home video versions of those things in their original attention. They kept like the theme songs. Um, they kept the original openings and closings. And pretty much did not change any of the names or Americanize the food and stuff. It's all the only thing they just changed was just some of the jokes because, of course, American humor is a little bit different than Japanese humor, which I understand. But it, what I like now is they're doing a much better job of. Um, Pretty much, you know, respecting, you know, Japanese culture and getting as close as much to the social material you can. That's why when I watch My Hero Academia, I like both versions. Because there's not much of a difference. I can watch a sub and see how it's translated. It works the same way when it's dubbed. So they're doing their best now. Like, dubbing practices are becoming much, much better now. They're keeping in touch with the original content. Mm-hmm. As of back then, I totally understand. First, you know, I'm like, oh man, for kids ruining anime for me. At the time, internet was still young. I didn't know stuff behind the scenes. Some of the stuff you won't know until later on where they do interviews and stuff. But now I understand now it was more like the networks pretty much. Network practices were pretty much putting pressure on four kids. But it's another thing of saying you're Americanized. You're basically taking away the Japanese culture what the animation teams were trying to do. But it's, like I said. And like I said, Biko, so like, it's all about you know money. Making revenue. Making merchandise. It was all about what it was. Yeah, they don't, they, they never, they never, that's, that's the thing that always pisses me off with some people who honestly get surprised by some of the decisions these companies make thinking that they actually have a, an actual ethical backbone in their body. And not, not, I'm not saying all companies are like that, but a lot of these corporations or even studio production houses are the same way. They only care about the money. Like, I've worked with several companies that do that, display that ethics. Uh, it may not be on the forefront of their branding, but it's definitely there. They they cut around things. They they change, thinking that it's because of ethical reasons. No, it's because their bottom line's affected. Their pockets are affected, and that's how you hit them where it hurts. 
And unfortunately, four kids is not uh, exempt from that way of behavior when it comes and, to and it's funny too, providing because, a product. And it's funny too. They had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well under their banner. But the, that one, they worked with Mirage Studios. And actually, that's one of the cartoons I actually enjoyed was the four the Ninja Turtles from 2003. Because it kind of followed more from the comics. Yeah. But at least with that, they're able to work around how the comics were portrayed. And they didn't work around, but what I like about it as well was at least the turtles used their weapons. At least they didn't make Michelangelo switch his nunchucks to freaking a grappling hook because it did in the original cartoon. Which to me was the worst decision ever. But I think yeah, they did. But I think they did that because of the international because distribution. Because when the when those turtles was like distributed to like the UK and stuff, they were called um, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Because the, I guess in the UK the term ninja is like a derogatory term towards like the Asian community. But the whole thing, I think that was a network thing when they changed Michelangelo's thing from. Uh, well, I wanted to sell the graphic toy too. But it doesn't make sense. It's they, like, they, but at least, in, at least in the the whole show was to sell toys, dude. The yeah, same it was. Things that happened with the Transformers after the first season, they're like, "Oh, this is profitable. Let's start." Introducing dude, I love that shit. first like season, like the the the, the first season of Turtles. Perfect. Yeah, it was. You could tell it was by Toy Animation. It was an it was like an outside animation studio. This was the Japanese. You could tell it was a Japanese animation studio that did the work on it. Of course, when they brought it back for another season, of course the Turtles looks were different. But of course, they had to market the kids. But what I do like about the original Ninja Turtles was, even though it was toned down and stuff, and I like the fact that it had some meta mo- mo- uh, moments in that show, which I honestly, I will go back and rewatch it. Like, I had the whole series on DVD when they released it. I mean, it does, you know, yeah, but think about it. It talks about how the her- late 80s, early 90s culture is as well. But yeah, it sucks when they had to make change, but it's all by the network, too, as well, because they had to have their hand on it. They These shows were shown at a time slot that kids are up. That's why now when it comes to anime and stuff, you know, it's it, that's why it's shown more like late nights, more for the young adult market, because that's what mostly most anime is more towards like the young adult market or the teenage market as well. Um, but like I said, like Ninja Turtles 2003 series by four kids, I enjoyed it because it's one of the comics. And it was more like a like the storylines were more linear based. Mm-hmm. It followed in sequence while in Ninja Turtles the cartoon, the original 1987 series. Different things happen because it was a way to introduce characters in for a purpose, like you said, Biko, selling toys and merchandise. It's it's the same, and that was big in the eighties. I mean, all it was first season introduction, second the season and carrying on it was just selling toys, adding different things for no really reason that even followed remotely the main plot of the story. Or like the characters evolving, it was just to sell toys. And then later on, what is the final seasons? Um, they decided to go take a take from um dark um from Batman name and series and change the tone to show it's more dark, more adult esque. And of course, I ended up getting canceled '96. Um, and then we didn't have no Turtles show until they tried to do the live action version with <laughs> by Saban Entertainment, New Turtles: The Next Mutation, which tried to introduce the fifth turtle, Venus de Milo. Mm-hmm. When of course you know they tried that, of course. They came back in 2003, they worked with Mirage Studios to come out with Ninja Turtles, the 2003 series, which honestly has the catchiest theme songs, and I actually enjoyed it, and they had the show of Turtles Forever, which kind of like was the pen, was the ultimate episode, which paid tribute to the, they had the Turtles from the 80s, I mean, they the Turtles from 2003, fortunately they didn't, couldn't get the actors from the original series to do their voices, because of the fact that four kids uses non-unionized actors. There's the one thing four kids got away with, they used non-union voice actors. 
And of course, the actors now are all unionized. They have, they're under SAG. So that's why Lucky, when Turtles got bought by Viacom, and Nickelodeon did the 2012 series, which I do enjoy. What I do like for the fact that it was really good. Mm-hmm. Even though it was for kids, but they were able to push this envelope as much as they can. And you can tell that was done by the showrunners who grew up on the 80 Turtles. And grew up on the 2003 series as well. And they were able to borrow elements of that and borrow elements from the comics. And made the Turtles what they're supposed to be. Teenagers, right? That was the whole purpose. So, which I do like. So, like I said, when it comes to like animation stuff... That culture, like anime itself, that's what kind of drove me away from anime was for kids. I mean, there was a few highlights in my life, but that kind of burned me out to the point I didn't get back into anime until late, you know, later on when I finally came across Cowboy Bebop and Adult Swim. And that pretty much brought me back into anime. That's why when I tell people, like, if you want to get into anime, Cowboy Bebop is like the introductory one. Because people will think, oh, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, like, I understand. I credit those as the OGs. Oh, like in America? Yeah, I credit those as the OGs. But if you want to get into anime, my recommendation for you, check out Cowboy Bebop. Because if you like music, Ken, um, Shijiro Watanabe, who directed Cowboy Bebop, directed Samurai Shampoo, and who, the recent work, Carol and Tuesday on Netflix, are all centered around these original stories and influenced by music styles. Like, Cowboy Bebop is... You know, influenced by not only by sci-fi, you know, in space, but almost like the Western aspect. But has that jazz type of music to go with the flow. And like Samurai Shampoo takes place in an altered version of you know, Japan. With a little bit of a hip-hop soundtrack. And Beagle, you saw Samurai Shampoo, we never finished the show. And you enjoyed it so far. Yeah, and you right. enjoyed the music and the action sequences. Yeah, it's right up my alley. Samurai's and hip-hop. There's nothing better. And then of course, Carol Tuesday that's on Netflix... That's about different genres of music, but it, because it's all about the girls, they live in a planet Mars, they come from different backgrounds, and their dream is to make music. And you see other music as well, because a lot of titles, like Shijiro Tony sometimes, and sometimes he puts some nameless songs, usually uses song names as titles of the episodes. Mm. And so it's kind of cool, if you go to Kira Tuesday with the transitions, you see like the actual vinyl cover of the song that he uses for the episode. So, there's one ways where, yeah, he's influenced, like, he uses, like, music as an also influence to the stories as well. But it's like, like I said, I just wanted to talk about for kids because I know there's been many YouTubers that probably talked about it. But it's never been talked about a lot when it comes to localization because, it, like I said, when I was a kid, I didn't know about localization. I always thought these cartoons were made in America. I didn't know they were made in Japan. It's because, like I said, they went through heavy dubbing and censorship. And Americanization, what I call it. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, with today's culture, it's not, at least for now, we have the ability to go back and rewatch those shows. Or, like, those shows get bought, the rights get back. Like, Alva Sailor Moon was one of the first shows I saw. The Entertainment distributed back then, and they changed the name of the characters. You know, like, Usagi became Serena. Um, they always kept the cast name Luna, but everybody else ended up getting, like, you know, Americanized names. Um, one of her friends up getting like this weird New York accent, you know, they were clearly in Japan <laughs> and Japanese uniforms and, and lucky for us that, you know, when four kids lost the rights to all that, Ms. Mia picked it up. My well, likewise, they went back and we did redub of Sailor Moon, but they now say their Japanese names. And so it's more entitled with the actual, you know, show. 
they don't cut all the content. All the content you missed before are now on there. Because I remember Deke had a cut, apparently Deke cut a lot of content. They had all these um, similar says segments. Kind of like almost similar to like G.I. Joe. Where G.I. Joe had those like little PSAs at the end of the episodes. So I think if you go on the Hasbro's website, you can watch G.I. Joe like 24-7 or something. On YouTube. Hmm. But today with Transformers because, you know, Transformers as well was heavily localized. And same thing with like Transformers the movie, which I had the original movie here, so. <laughs> but like I said, overall, like, it's the same thing. Like, you're taking culture and trying to make, take it out as your own. That's what, that was bad back then. But at least like now with anime becoming more and more mainstream now. I like for a fact now with dubbing and stuff. And actually too, now with like shows like Netflix, like series like Netflix, Sentai Filmworks, Funimation, Crunchyroll, bringing, you know, anime here to the West. But allowing us to watch it in the original language. I mean, too, like, even, like, Spanish dubs. Like, even surprised, like, like years back, I went to, like, my, our cousin, on our mom's side, she took me to an anime convention in Mexico. And you wouldn't believe the fanfare they had when they had these actors who did the Spanish dubs for these certain animes, um, and they were, like, recognizable. And you know what I mean? I, shouldn't, I didn't remember, I remember seeing so many, like, Attack on Titan cosplays and stuff. It's like, what the... I didn't know what Attack on Titan was at that time, so I wasn't aware of it. I told some people dressed like as like you know the Survey Corps from Attack on Titan, and you know it's like anime itself now it transcends the U.S. also transcends you know Mexico and other countries as well. That's how big of an impact it has. But at least when it comes to Spanish dubbing, they actually kept the jokes and stuff. They didn't do like this heavy censorship the American version does. Because it depends on that each country had their own standards and practices. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's becoming more and more. So far, it's been more and more. Dubbing has been more and more or less on more trying to match the dialogue to the scripts. And, of course, the, the mouth movements. But it's coming more and more accepted because now there's, like, premieres for, um, set up for Fire and Evergarden, the movie. It was supposed to be the last thing to cap off the anime series that was on Netflix. Um, Demon Slayer, the movie, it's coming out of theaters soon. And, of course, you know, they announced My Hero Academia, the third film. It's coming out in the summer in Japan. It was when I'll be here in the U.S., Hopefully they'll bring it here to the U.S. as well. That's like one of those things I like. It's like you see more and more anime film premieres in the in the West now than it was before. Like Studio Ghibli films. Remember, was it last year or the year before they did a whole Studio Ghibli, like AMC did like a Studio Ghibli festival where they were going to show like a one of the films for like two weekends or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I don't know, Biko. You have anything to add? <laughs> no, I, I'm just I'm not surprised that. A company like Four Kids went as big as they did and pretty much went the bubble, suffered the bubble, yeah. Suffer from what a lot of companies suffer from is only appealing or appeasing to their their bottom line and, and, and forgetting what basically put them there in the first place. And it honestly, it's not, it's nothing new. It's unfortunate that companies still don't learn that you need to. I guess still at the end of the day, provide a quality product, even if you become the top at your game, or or at least at that. In their case, they came in America at the right place at the right time, as 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 at least from the properties they were starting to release. But they became their own worst. I guess they they created their own monster, and they didn't want to change. They just started, I guess, only appeasing and appealing to their American audience, but forgetting what. Got what brought the, the the eyes onto their product, and that's just coming at it with what 
their original intention was and their original product, but they like, once you start editing things, you fall wayside and, and this tends to happen a lot in cartoons, even, you know, even some stuff that's household names, like we'll say, for instance, like The Simpsons or uh, Family Guy. We might even see it in ILI, we might even see it in Rick and Morty for how popular it's been this past um, almost seven years, six, seven years now. Like, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if uh, it goes in not a different direction, but maybe there's some things that aren't going to stick as well or like, or just, you know, they, they kind of live on their, their last run and, and I'm, not, I'm not throwing Rick and Morty under the bus right away. There's still time for it to, you know, it's only in its fifth season. It's doing fifth season this it's year. It's just yeah. that like that height wheel could also be your worst nightmare and, and, and I don't want them to at least fall on the wayside of what the Simpsons were and, and, and what Family Guy was to some people and, and other shows like that, at least in the instance of animation, because animation is such a big, a big, uh, I want to say, media. It's it's such a it's such a unique way of telling stories and providing, you know, entertainment for people, and as well as like characters we can all draw into. And like, I'll say an exception with that is Bob's Burgers. It just seems to keep getting better, and, and the the writers work well with, with you know, bringing their their wit and their creativity and it seems to work in their favor as a, and, and and that's a fox property you would be surprised how much what, fox can what they do like with boss burgers like when it comes to culture and stuff they bring a lot of people of color to voice characters of people of color as well they bring you know they had aziz ansari come out as well he plays a student in the school right, he comes out a lot, yeah. and then he had um what's his name i think that's his name he does the mailman sometimes Oh, Tim Meadows comes out as the mailman, the mail carrier, African-American mail carrier sometimes. So they do bring, like, they do have a diverse cast, which I do like. Because um, I know with the whole culture and stuff, that's why they're, like, what the Simpsons said, you know, um, with the poo and stuff. And now they're replacing a lot of the actors with people. They're having pretty much people of color portraying characters or people of color on the shows now. Which I do like the guy Alex Desert doing the voice of Carl Nice and doing it for episodes. Of, that Kevin Michael Richardson now voicing Dr. Herbert. Kevin Michael Richardson, to me, African American, great actor, dude. He's done so many voiceovers. He, I mean, he's, I mean, his booming voice. Oh my god, dude! It's like, I would say he does a phenomenal job. He got his Dr. Hibbert, you know, and he, like, like Matt Groening said in that article, like, um, they might bring up who back, but I think they're trying to find a better way to bring him back into the fold. I mean, like I said, they, they, ha- they, there's so much talented people out there. They can get something like some from Indian descent to portray them. But do it as a more, like I said, the writers have to do research. They got to find out what works now, what couldn't work back then. Mm-hmm. It's all like you said. It depends how the writing teams are. They're doing their research. They're, doing their, they're, they're trying to see what makes work. What, yeah. what makes it work. It's mm-hmm. like, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They were supposed to do a season last year, but they decided to go back and, and go back to the drawing board and rewrite all the scripts. Because they gotta find a way. Because now with the whole cop stuff, and they gotta find a way to acknowledge that as well. Mm-hmm. Which is like they portray cops on TV, so it's like they gotta find a way how the, that crew would take on with the, the whole twenty twenty and stuff. You know, they go back to drawing board because they gotta see what's go what can make it work in today's culture. And like you said, like you said, Boss Burgers is it's, it's one of like the pioneers right now when it comes to like how to portray comedy now. Yeah, I mean, as far as as far as the show that's been around, that's gotten its legs, 
you know, well under them for uh, several years now. Comparing, and then, you know, we're we're not going to stop seeing um, anima different animation properties being made from these production houses on Fox. I guess there's some days to live off of this stuff. So, uh, and like with the interest of, of you know Bob's Burgers and South Park still remaining pretty strong with what they provide in a product, it's like it seems to be where we're only getting maybe two or three shows that can really stand the test of time and then we get a f influx of different animations that just don't that fall on the wayside right and mm -hmm. we're talking about powerhouse production studios who like you know there's always going to be a gem that kind of beat that goes through the dirt mm -hmm. and, and grows out to be a quite a substantial uh, uh intellectual property and in the money house you know it could be brought in and like convention season's a big reason for a lot of the fan appreciation that these shows get as well so i think like seeing that and, and and kind of getting influenced by those like it's there's only so many shows that can be made to where they get a good fan base behind them like you know on paper rick and morty's pretty standard but what makes it special is just how self-aware it makes it, it that you know the creator keeps in, in the times and using those subtle cues and maybe make him laugh and then like I think when you're creating something of your own it, it shouldn't only just appeal to what you're looking for it also should f fulfill your own purpose of why you're making in the first place I think it's mm -hmm. like I know animation is a little different than music but it seems to be that like those two can go hand in hand when it comes to these these studios or production companies trying to invest in things that they think on paper can really land or just make their investment um grow as far financially but they forget that like at the end of the day you should bring some sort of charm and purpose to what you're trying to present to an audience as entertainment and, and unfortunately you know the music landscape has changed and, and, and it shares a similar resemblance to what animation has has been these past couple decades like we you know we as, at least for example we grew up in the time where the simpsons were you know on the top of their game yeah because they're pushing up the ratings when it comes well i mean to they were just they were they were um, fucking like they were they were a great representation of what an american family actually was and looked like not what you would mm -hmm. always tend to co commonly see these cookie cutter sitcoms that were releasing like these families that were living in extravagant homes which was just not realistic or not a realistic portrayal of an American nuclear family and we got the Simpsons coming out of nowhere and like essentially showing you what true what like what was funny what what really stood out from them simple premises but they they worked so well because it was a true portrayal of of you know your your friends or growing up in school or just your neighbor or like you know just typical american themes mm -hmm. that worked well and i think that's what people forget is that like you know south park has that to an extent because yeah they rely on like what what the culture and current events are happening but they tie that back onto why why it really remains charming still and just that yeah because it's like they're giving the more satirical view of what's going on right and it still it still portrays real life like characters of what you may encounter in your daily life whether it's work or you're within your own family or within your friend group like people that actually share some sort of weight and influence in your own lives and i think that's the big thing that animation needs to I want to say return to as far as and as well as you know investing in in, in our live action ideas or in, in real things not not only relying on reboots and 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 
we'll say revivals because it made money back in its and when it first came out and what and they think that it's going to appeal the same way to a newer generation that unfortunately didn't grow up with that so they don't have any sort of reference like i'm telling you right now like i never watched i hardly watched spongebob I've maybe seen two episodes in entirety and when i see memes i i understand people laughing them because they actually understand the context because they maybe liked the show and watched it i don't so i'm like it's like me watching a painting i don't know the artist well but i appreciate the painting like mm-hmm. I people like SpongeBob a lot. I get it. I understand why, but it just doesn't amuse me the same way that a lot of fucking <laughs> a lot of people do. But that's just with anything, you know. You may not like the same music that somebody else may like because it doesn't hit them the same way. Same thing with a movie. Same thing with anything that you consume as far as media or entertainment is concerned. So, as far as for kids goes, it you know they. They were I mean, good. at the time, yeah, they were good at the time for what they were grasping at. Because they brought, they were able to, they were one of the main pioneers that brought anime to the West, right? Like they, 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 they brought something that wasn't the most digestible thing in, in in Western culture and made it digestible enough to where people could. I mean, people still play Pokemon to this day and still going strong. So, like, I'm telling you, they lightning in a bottle, right? You can only catch it so many times, and unfortunately, Hollywood thinks they can make their own lightning but they forget that a big part of that equation is is what the people who are the viewers Mm -hmm. they're the they are the judges jury and executioners of what they deem is should be standing the test of time this is why the office is way popular now than when it was when it came out right yeah it's it's a it's a cultural figure of a sitcom and there's still people i meet that don't like it and that's totally fine because it's the truth like it doesn't have humor for everyone. It's 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 a, a hard show to get into in the beginning. But if you for people who have worked in an office, they find it hilarious because yes, you work with people like this. You do so. There and there's just like reality shows. Not everybody likes reality shows, but pe- some people love it. So it's just like at the end of the day, the viewers are the ones who are going to decide what works and what doesn't. And and these studios are going to continue to think that they are the ones who control that, but they really don't. So, as far as four kids goes, it's it's a, it's just a shame to see them do kind of dumb their product down just because they think it's going to make them money at the end of the day. And it it really I don't know like if it wasn't for I guess for instance if it wasn't for Pokemon expanding um, through the trading cards and games the other properties and movies, all that, and, and, and even the, the cell phone thing. Like, I think that's what really truly helps, you know, influence and capture a lot of people's hearts and, and interest as opposed to just the show. Because the show was, that doesn't, it wasn't that long lasting. Like, it, there was plenty of time before that for them to rehash it again and again and again. But it's like, that's a show that, nobody's yeah. watching that shit. Let's be honest. We're playing the games. We're, we're trading the cards. We're, we're walking around with our cell phones, using AR and all that stuff into our life and, and trying. But to it's act. funny because it, but, it, but there's still so there's still a good amount of people that follow the anime, which honestly they are slowly you know I think now it's on Netflix. The most recent version is on Netflix right now. Um, but what I like with Pokemon is they kind of like with every version of the game series coming out, they're able to work around with the anime wise to adapt elements from that game. This is another way, not just you know marketing the game as well. It's another way to get people watch who still watch the anime to get into the game series as well. 
Because now with the whole, um, they announced, like, you know, Pokemon, they announced uh, the next one's going to take place, like, in the old school era. Like, the old school Pokemon era. So, it's going to be kind of cool. Because it's almost like the feudal era. But with Pokemon, dude. We're going to see how that, it, that comes out. I think it's coming out later this year. And, of course, they brought, they're bringing back Pokemon Snap for the Switch. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if you remember Pokemon Switch. Pokemon Snap on the 64. Yeah, so now they're making a version for the, the Switch now, so we'll see how that goes. But like with the anime in general, I think it's called Pokemon Journeys or something. It's on Netflix. Um, I think they were showing it on Disney XD or something. But with that, they can get away with like some because it's on cable, so they can could get away with some censorship and stuff. But I don't think it's that bad anymore because I think it, it's up to the animators now. Where because I think what it did was they kind of had to like. The animators for that now they had to say they had to find a way. Oh, we got to market to, to kids. So instead of having them try to, you know, yeah, they kept the name Ash still. He's still called Ash here in the U.S., but in Japan he's Satoshi. But they still kept the name Ash Ketchum, so he still kept the name. So I think that's the only thing they kept wise. But everything else, you know, it's the same because I mean they they still use the same Japanese voice actor for Pikachu. All right. Because when that when the anime first came out in ninety six, when it first debuted in ninety six or ninety eight, I don't remember too much. It was ninety eight. That was the only like Japanese actors Pikachu is the only voice that didn't change. <laughs> it was the same voice. It's the Japanese voice actress that did Pikachu, but like I said, um nineteen ninety seven. Ninety seven? April first, nineteen ninety seven. But when so it came out here in the West how how many come out in the West though? Because uh, is, so is, is that the Japanese or is that yeah, hold on, hold on. So in Japan, it was first broadcast on April first, nineteen ninety-seven. In the U.S., it was on April, on September eighth, nineteen ninety-eight, and in South Korea on July fourteenth. So we didn't get it to almost a full year because, like I said, it, it took a while. Because what happens is they get sent like they send the master copies to four kids or to a distributor, and they have to go and redub it or take certain things out. It depends. They had to go through like they, they said they had to go with what the network practices were, but. And also, before I forget, um, today was the 35th, 31st anniversary of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first film released in theaters. So if you have a, if you have a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first film, definitely put it on today if you have time to celebrate. I know last year Kevin Eastman did um, last year I did the watch along with Kevin Eastman on his Facebook channel. I followed Kevin Eastman on Facebook and he did like a viewing thing, like a watch party, where he gave us like his commentary while watching the turtles with a on Facebook Live. So, I know he mentioned something on his Facebook page. So, you know what Kevin Eastman is? He's one of the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, yeah, today is the 31st anniversary of the first film. So, definitely, if you have it, watch it because that's like a good comic book adaptation, a little bit. They took some elements from the comic in there as well. So, all right, guys, I think that's going to be do it for this week of the podcast. Um, Nico, anything to add before we sign off? Uh, uh, I have no idea. It just it's uh, I don't know. Like if you're if you're a big fan of NBA basketball right now, let alone the Bulls, it's it's not a bad time to be a Bulls fan right now. We've made some great trades. We we acquired some good players and, and an All Star in uh, Nikola Vucevic, and I'm just excited to see where our season goes from here. So other than that, I'm hoping for the best and hoping that the season could turn around and we're heading in the right direction. So I would suggest to watching NBA because it's kind of nuts. It's also turning into wrestling of how crazy these teams have been investing in these players. So uh, keep that in mind when you're watching NBA. That it's, it's just wild to be a sports fan right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's all I have.
not what I would say about that. Alright guys, um for as for me for right now, like I said, um definitely check out um Black Clover. Um the last episode I believe was came out already. 170 episodes. Um they did announce a film is coming out following the anime. So I uh, read the manga as well. The manga I I heard has been really good. But watch the anime itself. Uh, if you get through the first episodes of the voice actor of Asta screaming, um, if you can get to that, you'll enjoy the rest <laughs> of the anime. Because in the first few episodes, yeah, he does scream a lot. Like his voice actor has to scream in the mic and stuff. I like guess that's how the character was before. He was shouting and stuff. So, but it's really enjoyable into like if you're into the world of magic and stuff. It's more of a darker take on magic, so definitely check it out. It's just shonen, typical shonen style, and like I said, it's called Black Clover. It's currently on Crunchyroll. Funimation and also streaming on Hulu. Um, definitely uh, check that out. All right, guys. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, we'll see you again next week. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at franchise eighty five. Um, you can follow Biko on Instagram at wonder hashtag wonder underscore the void. Yeah, wonder wonder underscore the underscore void. Um, and yeah. Um, you can follow the Twitter of the podcast at, at Pop Talking. If you have any suggestions or any questions for us at all, you can always tweet us on there. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pop. Check out our merch store at Teespring.com slash stores. Search for Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got hoodies. Once it gets super warm, we got tank tops. Um, we got coffee mugs. We got face masks because we're still in a pandemic as well. Um, we have stickers, we got decals as well. I will pull up a decal suit of the new logo as well if you want that on your locker, your tablet, or your laptop. Um, like I said, check me out on Twitch on twitch.tv slash Fonchai65. I am the casual gamer, and I stream a lot of JRPGs. Right now I'm currently on Trails of Cold Steel, number four. And like I said, make sure to follow the podcast as well on Google, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or whatever podcast platform that you have. We also would like to take a big shout out to American listeners, but also to our international listeners as well. Thank you so much for following the podcast after all these years. So we'll see you again next week. As always, geek on and take care.